I'm Joel Hansel. I'm Katie Karpinski. And this is CC Airwaves. Katie, another Monday morning, another work week. And the nice part is we drove in in sunny skies. Mm -hmm. And this past weekend, the weather was absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. A lot of sunshine, a lot of warmth. Yeah. It was very enjoyable. A little tease of what's coming, hopefully. Yeah, it was really nice waking up and not having it be pitch black darkness. I just I have a hard time getting motivated when it's so cold and dreary every morning. So you're right. It's a nice reminder that spring is just around the corner. And with spring at the cemeteries here it comes, you know, we have a lot of questions when the seasons change um, because the cemeteries are mainly outdoors. Unless you find yourself or a family member in a mausoleum, um, we are subject to Mother Nature and all the wonderful surprises she may bring. <laughs> so today we have Jason Keltner, who works here at the Catholic Cemetery. So, Jason, do you want to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do? Yes, thank you, Katie. My name is Jason Keltner, and I've been employed here at the Catholic Cemeteries Association for seven years. I was brought in to be the horticulture manager and manage all the outdoor living trees, grass, landscaping, and and all that it entails. Yeah. So can you just talk about a little bit more about horticulture? Like you said that, I don't even know if I'm saying it right. A lot of people might not be familiar with that word. So you said anything with the grass or trees, like landscaping, everything that is all under you? Yes. Horticulture is a broad term for all the landscaping needs that we have, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly dealing with trees and and growing uh, the plants and flowers and grass that we have taking care of those items Mm -hmm. Uh, i have been in this industry for 20 years and started when i was 13 went out to ohio state university got a bachelor's degree from there in landscape horticulture and since then i've been growing Uh, i became a licensed arborist when i came here to the cca and i hold my pesticide application license so that we can spray herbicides when needed on the properties. Wow. So there's a lot that falls under your umbrella then, especially because we have 19 cemeteries that all need care for, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's a big, that's a lot to uncover. So I think you're the perfect person to talk to today because like I said, around this time of year, we get a lot of questions from families about Um, you know, grass being planted on their loved one's grave and different issues regarding weeds and different trees in the cemetery. So I think the first topic we want to tackle today is what is the process of seeding a new grave? If a family buries a loved one and grass is planted, what does that process typically look like? Yes, grave seeding is a process that's done twice a year. It'll be done every spring and every fall. Uh, This is largely because these are the optimal times for planting grass seed with the temperatures being warm but not hot and then rainfall is usually consistent during those times. Graves are seeded after adequate time has been allowed for the settling of the backfill dirt that was used, usually at least six months. However, there are times when the graves are seeded, grass will start to grow but the grave continues to sink. In these scenarios, uh, the grave will be refilled and leveled and seeded again at the next time that seeding is scheduled. Graves, the process for actually seeding the grave is fairly easy, but it is a tried and true method. Um, After the graves are done settling, the last couple 
top two inches of ground is put in with topsoil and raked level. Seed will be spread on the topsoil and raked into it. And then it is covered with a mulch pellet that is green in color, which is what people can actually see on the ground. That expands when it gets water and it helps protect the seed for germination. The mulch pellets do not completely cover the ground, so don't be surprised that you're only going to see about 50% coverage. This is intentional so that the seed still has room to come out of the ground and grow. Starter fertilizer is added as the last step that helps provide the nutrients needed in the seed's early life. All grave seeding is watered by rainfall only. As much as we would like to be able to water every grave that's out there, it would be an impossible task for us to do considering we seed over a thousand graves every spring and fall. This means that drier years often do not have as good of germination rates and this is outside of the cemetery's control. There are years though when we have perfect weather as far as rainfall and the grass does come in a lot better. Grass can be uh, spot seeded afterwards or in the following year if there's areas that have not come up come up well and that's usually how the cemeteries will uh, correct any poor germination from the season before. Is there a particular type of grass seed that you use? Is there a particular type of grass I guess is what I'm getting at? Yeah we use blended grass seeds so it covers a wider spectrum of grass varieties and this allows for better growth and coverage. It typically has Kentucky bluegrass, which everybody's pretty familiar with, uh, ryegrass, as well as a little bit of fine fescue that helps fill in the areas that are under the shade of some of the large trees that we have. I'm just going to chime in. I didn't know there were different types of grass. So that alone is like I- I only know that because um, like at the Indians uh, stadium, but progressive mm-hmm. field, I know that um, oftentimes during the, the spring prior to opening day, they'll talk to the grounds crew mm-hmm. and they'll talk about the type of grass that they've brought in mm-hmm. for the outfield. So that's the only reason why that's I cool. know that. Yeah. I think there's a few things that Jason, you've already brought up that are interesting. Like just the fact that you can't, it's not advisable to plant grass in the winter or summer just because the temperatures are too extreme, right? Like it's either too cold or way too hot. Right. Temperatures that are too too cold, the grass seed won't germinate. And if it stays wet too long, it could possibly rot and then become unviable. As well as summertime, if it gets one rainfall and germinates, but it's dry the next week, that freshly sprouted grass root will just dry up and die. And that's about the worst case scenario because there's now no viable grass seed left. You've lost that stand. Yeah. So for families who've lost someone during those seasons, it's, you know, you have to wait till the fall or the spring if you want the best chance of the grass actually surviving, right? Correct. Yeah, that's interesting. Some things that um, I would like to mention is that we do ask people and the uh, visitors in the cemetery not to apply any additional fertilizers or weed sprays on the grass, on the graves when they're freshly seeded. Um, We do occasionally have people come in and think they're helping their grave come in better. But ultimately, we have seen several times that they wind up killing the grass instead of helping it. More is not always better mm-hmm. and too much nitrogen applied burns the delicate seedlings and kills it almost immediately. Uh, the one thing that is permitted would be if somebody wanted to come in and water their own grave after it's seeded, 
with watering can, um, that would be the best thing to do to increase the grass being able to grow and survive. But again, we just rely on natural rainfall to water the graves on a regular basis. Sure. It's just, I don't think um, most people, myself included, understand just how much science and intention goes behind our landscaping efforts. You know, like everything you're talking about, just the chemical balances of everything and how they work together is so intricate. So I think that's really interesting that you touched on all that. So um, before we move on to our next topic, is there anything else about grave seeding that you think families would be interested in or knowing, like you said, if they come and water their own grave, I think that's a really good tip for families who are just looking to help in some way with the, you know, the grass planting process. But is there anything else families should know? We do try and look into new new technologies and things that have come to seeding markets. We will be looking at new varieties of seeds. There's uh, newer seed varieties that become more drought tolerant and are being used to help conserve water and ultimately stay greener and more vibrant through the summers. Many of our cemeteries become extremely dry in a hot summer, so we are looking at some of the newer varieties of grass seed that are being bred and and seeing if those would be viable options for us to use in the future. I think it's important for people to understand these are golf courses. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to be perfectly manicured, perfectly green all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually tell people that our cemeteries are more like construction zones (laughs) than a golf course because we're constantly um, running equipment up into the sections, mm-hmm. um, digging graves, refilling graves. Sometimes you have to um, ramp up to the graves, mm-hmm. uh, especially uh, here in the spring as the snow melts and the ground's very saturated. Mm-hmm. We'll ramp from the road to the grave site so that the equipment can get in there so it doesn't sink, cause any further damage to the graves. Yeah. Yes, the field crews do ramp to go in and out of the sections during the softer times of the year uh, when the ground is saturated. This helps prevent extreme damage to the turf and to other people's graves, but ultimately it still does create some small damage, and if it's large enough, they will fill those areas and reseed it. But it also does create a lot of compaction, which is hard for the cemetery to battle. Uh, we do have some ways of of working on that, but on a large scale, it's pretty hard for us to to compete with the compaction of the equipment that goes on and off mm-hmm. the sections during burials. Yeah, I think, you know, because most of our cemeteries are still active. So like you guys are both mentioning, they're still active burials. It's not just, you know, plant it and leave it alone. It's, you know, kind of tread upon. But um, I want to move on to our next topic, which is weed control. And we get a lot of questions from families about, you know, just stuff they can find near a family's gravesite, what we're doing to help combat certain types of crabgrass and other weeds. And dandelions are another big topic that we, you know, have to talk about families a lot. So could you discuss a little bit about our weed control efforts um, and how they're handled here at the cemetery? Yes. The weed control programs that we use are mainly two two types of weed control. We have pre-emergent, which helps control crabgrass, which most people are aware of. A nice crawling little grass that'll take over an area if it's left unchecked. And then we also do post-emergent weed control, which would control weeds like dandelions, clover, ground ivy, and of course many more. We do try to treat 
as many acres as we can. There are about 1,200 acres of managed turf throughout the association on multiple properties. So treating all this area is very tough. Not all the turf that we have under management is always controlled with uh, herbicides for weeds, but we try to do most of it as we can. Each treatment consists of about 800 to 1,000 acres at a time, and we do those from two to three times a year. Early spring for the pre-emergent control of crabgrass, late spring for the control of the broadleaf dandelion weeds, and then we'll do another application in the fall as we have time to help with preventing the broadleaf weeds for the next season. Yeah, so it sounds like weed control isn't just a one-and-done deal. It's an ongoing process that you guys are always monitoring, right? Yeah, that's correct. Although we can't do it 12 months out of the year due to weather and limitations, we do have quite a lot of effort that goes into weed control. Sure. I know that last summer, too, um, just because we had so much rain, right, the weeds were popping up much more quickly. Is that true? That weather can play a part in that? Weather does create certain situations in some seasons where some of the herbicides become ineffective. When there's a lot of rain in the spring and summer with hot temperatures, it will actually degrade the preventative herbicides for the crabgrass faster than normal. So we've had some summers where crabgrass becomes heavy in July but it was mostly because of a very wet spring Mm. with high temperatures. A couple Memorial Days ago, we had like this explosion of dandelions. What would cause that? The high dandelion population usually just comes from timing issues with the herbicide applications. I do believe it was 2018 where we had a lot of dandelion complaints and Uh, In that year, particularly, we had a long, cold winter, which pushed our applications back. Uh, The first application, the pre-emergent, can't be done until the ground is thawed and dry enough for us to run our sprayers on it. So when we have to complete that application before we go back to treat for the dandelions, we ultimately got pushed back pretty far, having to travel to 19 plus properties throughout Northeast Ohio. One thing I would like to mention, um, since we do have a lot of people calling concerned about dandelions in the spring, particularly around Memorial Day on a loved one's grave, is that, you know, we ask people to remember that although their loved one's grave is very important to them, that we are treating these places over five counties. And it does take a long time for us to get a four-man crew around battling weather conditions, ineffective days that we have to not spray due to high wind speeds, rain. And it does take us some time to get around to all those properties. We may not have every property sprayed by a certain time or by the onset of the dandelion flowers, but ultimately we still are treating yeah, I think that's important to know that, you know, you can't just go out on any day in the spring and spray for weeds. You know, everything has to be exactly right because we don't want to spend all of our time and resources to, you know, do those 
applications if they're not going to work anyway. So um, like you said, I think when I talk to families about it too, I emphasize patience and just know that we are getting to them. It's just a matter of when, um, when the weather cooperates. Our program does not strive to eliminate every weed on the properties. And that's also important to keep in mind that the intensity level of keeping it looking like a golf course is not something that we can do. Uh, with these programs, a two or three application program will eliminate the abundance of weeds, but it does not provide uh, for no weeds to grow. Mm-hmm. There's always exceptions. There's always areas that may not get sprayed. And when people ask about those, I usually tell them it winds up being that when there's new graves seeded around, we actually cannot spray a new grave for the first year because it would damage the young grass. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times weed complaints come in, but it was a grave that was seeded that year. So we do have to wait a year to spray the the herbicides on young grass and the following year it will get sprayed. So anytime there's new seeding, uh, please be patient because we can't treat it the first year. Um, so the last kind of big topic I wanted to talk about with you, and then um, we can open up if you have anything additional, um, is trees. Because a lot of our cemeteries, especially here at Calvary in Cleveland, there's just a crazy amount of trees and we're kind of known for them. So can you talk about your approach to that element of cemetery upkeep? Sure. Trees are obviously a huge part of the cemeteries and have kind of been uh become known for having large trees, old trees. Cemeteries are kind of thought as a sanctuary for plants as well as uh, the people that are in their final resting place. Ultimately, we strive to keep as many of our trees alive and healthy as we can. But having so many large old trees, there's also a lot of death and decay in the trees, diseases that go and kill the trees that we do have to keep in mind and in order to keep the cemeteries a safe place for our visitors, uh, we do have sometimes to remove trees. I like to tell everybody that the Catholic cemeteries removes trees only when they are dead, diseased, dying, or have significant rotting in them to the point where there are safety concerns for our visitors. Our goal is to keep and save as many of these trees as we can uh, to help keep that natural beauty of the cemeteries alive, what people have known to come to expect from a typical cemetery. In addition to removing trees and, and pruning them, we do plant many trees each year. Every year we plant between 100 and 200 trees across all of our cemetery properties. And sometimes people don't notice that. It's easier to notice a large tree that's been removed versus a new tree that's been planted. But we keep planting new trees when trees have been removed so that 50, 70 years from now, the trees are once again filling the properties. Trees are planted in the spring and the fall. Again, just like with the grass seed, it's the optimum time for the trees to have root growth and establishment periods. We do water our trees in the summer when they're newly planted, and this is because the loss of a tree is very expensive, so we have to be a little bit more proactive on trying to keep any trees that we replace alive. 
the trees that we do replace are trees that have been removed or new areas that are in need of adding trees. Sometimes trees were planted in areas that were too small and do not properly support tree growth without interfering with nearby graves or roads. In those cases, we do have to make the decision not to replant those trees. That's all really good information to know. And I know that wildlife can also sometimes play a factor in that. So do you want to talk about how wildlife may impact our trees and other landscaping efforts? Yeah. In recent years, the deer population at many of the cemeteries has grown. Uh, The cemeteries kind of seem to be a sanctuary for many of the wildlife, including deer, chipmunks, raccoons. But the deer have become more aggressive on newly planted trees as they've increased in population. And they always seem to go after the new young trees when they're first planted because it's something new for them and it's part of their territory marking. So I I like to point out that um, our number one reason for loss of new planted trees is ultimately deer damage. And in order to try and reduce that, we've started to implement putting metal fencing around each tree as it's planted at most of the cemeteries. We used to use some methods that were a little less obvious, uh, things that were right around the trunk of the tree, but ultimately it did not protect the trees enough. So when you do see new trees planted now, we do have staked fencing around them. And this will last for about the first five years of the tree's life until the trunk's large enough to sustain any type of rubbing damage that the deer might do. So it is a little bit unsightly, but it's about the best thing that we can do for the health of the trees in the long run. Because once a tree trunk is damaged at a young age, that tree has to heal it. And if it can't, it would be compromised for its entire life until it ultimately dies from even a small wound at that time. Wow. I didn't know that deer had that much of a... I don't know. I, when you think of deer, you, you think of them. We have a lot of issues with them eating flowers off of graves or eating like rose bushes or other plants, but I couldn't ever imagine them taking down a whole tree like that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's possible. When they damage the, the bark enough, they could take off half the bark on a two-inch trunk tree, and a lot of times a tree can't survive from that. Wow. Wow. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being here. I think a lot of people are going to find this information really helpful. And I think in general, we've been trying to just be more transparent with families about how we manage the cemeteries, because at the end of the day, they are their cemeteries with their loved ones. So thank you for just walking us through all those processes. And as we kind of close up here, is there anything else you think that families should know? Or do we pretty much cover the basics of our landscaping here? I think we covered a lot of our landscaping today. And I appreciate you asking me to come in and share how we do things. Uh, I do get phone calls from people that get directed to me, and I do answer these questions on a more personal basis when needed. And, of course, we strive to do as much as we can to keep our places looking good. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> so thank you for being here. Um, for anyone listening, if you have um, landscaping questions or just different topics for the podcast in general, I know today was a little different than the normal bereavement topics we discuss, but you can email any of your questions, comments to podcast at clecem.org. 
more information about all of our cemeteries, including um, just visitation information, decoration information, um, a more general contact form, as well as our bereavement resources can be found on our website, www.clecem.org. And as always, make sure to follow us on social media to keep up with cemetery updates and information. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you join us in the future. You never know what we might talk about. All kinds of fun stuff coming up. Until the next time, take care, everyone. <laughs>